Hello, it is Wednesday, July 1st. My name is Trent Reinsmith, and this is another episode of the Come On Now MMA podcast. First topic today, I'm going to assume most of you are not big followers of the uh, Canadian Football League. So earlier this week, Edmonton Eskimos player Christian Jones tweeted out on Global Pride Day. I'm going to keep it this real. Man ain't supposed to be with a man. A woman is not supposed to be with another woman. That's mean, though, live life with safety. Shortly after that, the team released him. Um, He stuck by his words for a little while. Said he wasn't going to apologize. But eventually... He did. Um, the next day, I think, at a, yeah, the next afternoon, he did apologize. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because the Edmonton Eskimos took pretty fast action on this and just released him. So my point here is that homophobic language and sexist language is something that happens on the regular in the UFC and what happens just as regularly is a fighter is forced to apologize and then the UFC just ignores it and puts it on the back burner and acts like it never happened and then they roll out their you know their their pride fight kits and occasionally donate some money but but i mean if you if you have fighters that are out there spewing hateful language and you you don't do anything about it then those gestures are empty the donating money is just a way to cover up the offense and when a fighter gets fined for saying something or a for no, i'm sorry they don't get fined for saying something that's 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 the problem but when they come out and uh, say they were forced to apologize, like Donald Cerrone said on one episode of the Joe Rogan podcast, now that's an even that makes the whole thing feel even you know more hollow because it's it's an empty gesture and the fighter knows it and they know they're not going to get called on the carpet on it and they know that all they have to do at most is apologize. Now I've covered many, many, many incidents of this um, kind of thing going on for years, and I think the only people that got fined and/or suspended for this were Matt Mitrione and Nate Diaz when the code of conduct was first rolled out back in 2013, and then uh, the the most recent incident I can find was a 2015 fine of $25,000 for John Jones for testing positive for uh, cocaine for a, I forget what fight it was, but that was the one day in rehab incident. So the Edmonton Eskimos did the right thing here. 
but the UFC doesn't just ignores it and and that that makes it acceptable when you when the the most is it, that the UFC does is an occasional slap on the wrist forced apology then why would why would the why would the culture change and now i know some folks are going to say it's the fight game people say mean things blah 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 and excuse it in that manner but if you're if if that's the best you can come come up with is a, a junior high insult then maybe you know you're not as witty as you think you are so if if your go-to move is to use a homophobic or a sexist slur for another fighter maybe when that pops in your brain pause rethink things and you know either don't say it or go in a different direction because it's demeaning and it's and most of all it's lazy and dumb and it shouldn't be done but by the same token the UFC should do something about it when when these things happen and not just shrug it off and wait for the next thing to replace it in the news cycle so the fighters are guilty of this but I think the UFC is even more guilty because it does nothing to curb the behavior but then then at the same time it 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 sells pride shirts and pride fight kits so it's not it's not an ideal situation and i hope the next time it happens the ufc does something other than shrugs and turns its back on it so Kay Hansen has been getting some grief about some messaging she wore on her fight gear when she was with Invicta FC. Um, there was a pro-life message on one of her of her uh, fight kits, and there was a support of Candace Owens on another. And I have some mixed feelings on this. I mean, I don't. I don't agree with either of those things, but I also don't know if this is something that we should really care about because we know there's a lot of fighters with politics and messages that we don't agree with, and it's just something that usually gets glossed over. And then when you add into the fact that she was 18 at the time these messaging was on her on her fight kits that's another reason i don't know if this is something that we should really pay attention to but it is something that is getting paid attention to so it should she, she addressed it and she said that she was young and in a manipulating and toxic environment and that she's um, and then she added that she was young and views and opinions evolve as well and asked people to take everything in before, you know, they started hating on her. And then she added to that, um, 
when she spoke to MMA fighting, she said, I was 18, so I was easily persuaded. It's just dumb because I'm getting a lot of heat for things that I didn't even want to do myself at the time. I was literally 18. That's the hardest part, I think, about making my debut so young on such a big stage with Invicta. Everyone messes up when they're 18, but no one sees it. No one gets scrutinized for it because no one knows about your messed ups when you're 18. But me, it's like everything is on social media. People are so quick to think they know me and think they know what I believe in and what my views are. Man, I was 18. I'm 20 now. For a little over a year now, I've been out of that environment I was referring to. I've been able to be my own person and have my own views. I'm not even the same person that I was in those pictures. So she's saying the right things here. Um, and, yeah, when, when, when people are 18, they screw up. Most people that screw up at 18 are not professional athletes. And so no one really knows about those those things. In today's age, it's becoming more um, common for screw-ups to get, to get noticed. And um, so I think we give her the benefit of the doubt here, believe what she's saying, and watch what she does going forward. Now, I mean, 18 to 20 is not that vast a difference in age. I don't know how much you really mature between those two in those two years. I think by the time you reach 30 and maybe later for some people, then you, you find out you know what you really believe in and, and what you'll stand for and what what your your moral which way your moral compass points. And so I think we give her, a, give her the benefit of the doubt if this is true, if she was really in a toxic environment and um, people were, were manipulating her. That happens when you're young. And so if she's out of that and she's moving on and, and doing things differently and her thinking is evolving, I think that's all we can ask for. And I would say give her time, let her, let her you know, mature. And I think she handled this correctly, which is a, a big plus. She didn't get angry about it. She answered the question. She wouldn't go into detail about the, uh, the, the environment, the relationship she was in at that point. But that's her choice as well. At least she acknowledged the situation and is, is trying to move on and, and saying the right things. Now, if she's just saying the right things... And not, you know, and not actually doing the right things. Well, that's that's another story. But at the, at the worst, I think the big picture in this is that she just might have different views than some people like, which is not a problem. I mean, I don't like I, I like I said, I don't agree with these things, but that's her right to think that way. She's not harming me. So let her think what she wants, regardless. But the, I was thinking about this, too. She's an 18-year-old woman at the time. Now she's a 20-year-old woman. Is, this, is that one of the reasons we're, we're digging into this and, and asking her these questions? Because we know fighters who are old men, male fighters, who are older, more mature, and should know things, be a little more worldly, and yet they're going and hanging out and getting their pictures taken 
with Chechen warlords. And I'm not talking about a certain champion. I'm talking about Americans and Brazilians who go and and glad hand with with Katarov and get their photos taken with them. Or Irish guys who go get their pictures taken with Putin. These people should know better than to uh, to throw their support behind, let's say, questionable folks like that. So when you get your picture taken with Katarov, that sends a message. Or when you go over there to whatever uh, mirror and... Um, some other fighters, I forget off the top of my head, whoever went over there. Um, I, but I think Weidman was one. But, you know, when you're, you're hanging out with Katarov, you're sending a different message. Um, and it's hard to, that, that, that's a problem. But yet we don't really dig too deep into that. But maybe just because Kay Hansen's the, the newest, latest thing, in the UFC, she just made her deb- debut. I don't know, but just disagreeing with someone's stances on certain things is not a real reason to call them out. I don't think. But that the other situation, I think, is because we know what what that man stands for and what he does, and none of it that I can see is 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 fantastic. It's not good. Um, so, I mean, I think this is just, I think this should be just a little blip for her. And we'll just see where she goes from here. But, again, I don't think she's really, well, I disagree with her stances. That's uh, that's the world we live in, you know. So we'll see where this goes, and hopefully it's, I think it just might be a bigger thing than it needs to be because she's a young woman. I might be wrong, I'm, but you know, I don't think this. I don't think this compares to the uh, the folks that were hanging out with Katarov. Not even, not even close. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where where this goes. It's been a little while since I had to come on now, but we got one today. So the nominees came out for the 2019 World MMA Awards. And Jim of the Year was, there was a huge name missing from that, from that group. And while Eugene Behrman's name was in, I think, for Coach of the Year, City Kickboxing is not in for Jim of the Year, which is a big faux pas because I think that's the gym that deserves the gym of the year title. So missing that and not including them is a, is a come on now. And I, and I know that these awards are not, you know, they're just fan awards and they don't really mean anything. But if you're going to have a gym of the year, you might want to include city kickboxing. Come on now.
Former strawweight champion Rose Namajunas is going to return to the octagon at UFC 251 to face Jessica Andrade. Last time they met, Andrade slammed her to the canvas and won the belt by knockout from that a technique. They were supposed to meet earlier this year, but Namajunas had two deaths in her family from COVID-19. And so she withdrew from that fight. And she spoke about this with Ariel Hawani from ESPN. So I just want to play what Nama Yunus had to say and then comment on, on that. You know, everyone understood why you would withdraw. I mean, even it was also fresh. No one knew like how safe it was going to be or not. But did you did you just feel like you weren't in the right you know, space mentally after suffering two, you know, tragedies like that to compete? Is that, was that ultimately why you withdrew from the, uh, the May 9th date? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, I've seen fighters that have had like deaths in their family and then they, they go out there and, um, everybody deals with death differently. You know what I mean? Um, for me, it just, it just wasn't a good idea, you know? And honestly, like, this is like, it has, it's been a, it's been a great, in, in a way it's been a reset for me, you know, like it puts things into perspective. Like I was just going into it before I was like, kind of just focused on, um, making, trying to control everything around me and trying to, trying to make all these situations perfect and all this stuff. And then it was like, everything just fell apart, <laughs> you know, everything was looking good. And then everything just fell apart. And then it was like, it just was a wake up call for me. Like I can't control anything but myself. And that's, that's, what's the most important. And so even though it was very tragic, um, I learned a lot from it and, um, you know, that, that's all we can do is we, all we can do is just, you know, keep praying, uh, and know that this, that, that this, this life is, uh temporary like everything's temporary so yeah I just gotta you know hopefully like I mean not everybody's the same but for me what helps me is 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 believing in my higher power and and knowing that I have a purpose and this is this is my purpose right now it's not gonna be my purpose forever but this is this is what I'm doing right now and I gotta make the most of it and uh enjoy it so that's um, what Nama Yunus took away from the tragedy she faced recently um, with two deaths in her family from COVID-19. And I think uh, there's a lot of important things that she covered in, in that short time there when she spoke to Hawani. Um, so it sounds like it, it kind of was a freeing thing for her to know, to realize that we don't really control much as far as our lives go, we can control some things, but not all things in it. And I think um, it was kind of, it sounds like it was kind of freeing in a way for her. And so she knows the temporary, uh, that life is temporary, you know, and that you can control what you can control and you can't control what you can't. And so why not just go out there, live your life, um, and have a little freedom 
because you don't know when it's going to come to come to an end. And I think that might be a step in the right direction for Nama Yunus. I think from what I take away from what she said is that she's maybe a little freer, a little more relaxed, a little more in the moment, and a little more unburdened of certain things. So maybe we're going to see a, a new Rose Nama Yunus here as far as her approach to this fight and of her approach to life and that could be a good thing for her and her career um, because if she didn't want to be champion before she sounds like she might want to be champion now she's got a little more perspective on everything and I think it sounds like she's going to move in the in the right direction here and yeah, I mean, I like what I heard. It sounds she's like become a little more at peace with what she does, and she knows this is a temporary thing. So go out there and give it your all, and win, lose, draw. You did your best, and take it one fight at a time. So it's going to be interesting to see what. Uh, what Nama Yunus does when she faces Andrade on at, at UFC 251. Dustin Poirier's coach, Mike Brown, said that Poirier deserves a seven-figure payday for his next fight, and I, I think Poirier should have got a seven-figure payday for his last fight, so of course I'm going to agree that he deserves a seven-figure deal for his next fight. The odds of that happening are pretty much... They're not zero, but they're not much above zero. And Poye is a figure, unlike John Jones, who is pretty much liked by everyone in the MMA sphere. You don't really hear a lot of bad things about Dustin Poirier. Maybe from Colby Covington, but consider the source there. So I think if... I'd be interested to hear what how Dana White would react if someone would ask him about this comment from Brown and, and if he thinks that Poirier deserves that kind of payday. And I'd like to hear the reaction of white to that question because it's I I mean I, he deserves it. He's he's been with the UFC for years. He's a fighter that can you could you could comfortably put him in a main event on a on an ESPN card, on a ESPN Plus card, on a pay-per-view card and it would do well. He's an action fighter. He he's he's one of the best fighters that the UFC has right now. And just because he doesn't have a title doesn't mean he doesn't deserve that kind of money. Um, he does all the right things inside and outside the cage, and you would think you'd want to reward people like that. And that's why I think it would be important for 
White to answer that question because he can dismiss John Jones because of all of John Jones's missteps. I mean, there's people that probably wouldn't if other people were running the UFC. He Jones probably would have been out out of the promotion under under a different leadership. You can't say that remotely about Dustin Poirier. So, I think when UFC 251 rolls around, I'd, I'd really hope that someone answers that question. And I would I would ask it if I thought I had a hope of getting an answer, but UFC does not credential me. UFC does not answer my questions. And Dana White has me blocked on social social media, so I don't have the opportunity to ask. Okay, so I just finished the first edition of the official UFC rankings watch. And from the fight card that happened on Saturday, the only people that were ranked on that card were the main event, which was Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. But if you want to look at the all the changes that the individual rankings members made I have that all compiled and it is a huge list which is a big concern because what I found is that there's a lot of lag behind when it comes to the votes a lot of these don't seem to be getting in on a timely basis Um, so yeah the only thing we really should have seen in this this week was changes in the lightweight division since no other divisions really competed I mean Brandon Allen Brandon Allen was an outlier in the middleweight division he got some votes but he didn't make it into the official rankings so maybe maybe he there's some movement there um but yeah there was just a ton a ton a ton of movement and most of it was catching up and there were a lot of catching there's a lot of catching up from fights that took place from the beginning of this year, which really shouldn't be. So if you want to look at that, you can do you can go to the uh, the Substack or my Patreon. Um, so the Substack is just come on now dot substack dot com c m o n n o w dot substack dot com, and then there's a link in there on the newsletter. If you sign up to uh, contribute to the Patreon, this is probably going to be one of the things that I'm going to move um, to the to the Patreon with you at at around UFC 251 because it's it was pretty time consuming to put this together, so that's probably going to be a pay thing going forward. So if you want to, it'll probably be under the dollar tier or the three dollar tier. So if you want to contribute to the Patreon and get on that now, I would appreciate that. Um, yeah, so if you care about the rankings and you want to see what's going on and why sometimes they look a little fishy, you uh, you should take a look at how badly the, the lag is with, with getting the votes in or compiled or something's happening that's not so good. I'm going to try and reach out to these folks and get an answer. I'm not going to count on that, but also I'm going to, my plan is to keep publishing these if there's interest, because I think that we know the rankings are faulty, 
and there's a lot of questions on them. And, and so I think I, I want to make this as transparent as I can because we know the UFC is not going to do that for us. So it, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take, take that on. So hopefully there's interest in this and hopefully it, it draws a little more attention to the rankings and the issues with the rankings now that people are you know, know that someone's going to be looking at them. So check it out. Again, that's at the Substack. Come on now, Substack. And I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.